This is Channel Attitude. Your voice, your right, your freedom. This is Vince Russo's The Brand. Yes, everybody, good morning. I am recording this Sunday morning, May 28th, 2023. It is nearly 9 a.m. here in Rocky Mountain High. I am Vince Russo. And we are looking through the world. We're looking through glass onions. We're going to look at the bizarre, the crazy, the mysterious, the interesting. And today I'm going to look into something I've been talking about for, uh, for the last couple of weeks. But before we do, I got a big follow-up on a very recent story, guys. This just came out on Friday. And this came out of The Hollywood Reporter. And you know I've been talking about this. This is by Carolyn Giardina. And the headline reads, reads Lion Lionsgate confirms John Wick 5 in early development. Yes, you heard me correctly. John Wick 5 in early development. Yes. With the Keanu Reeves starring John Wick Chapter 4 topping $363 million globally, Film chief Joe Drake addressed the future of the Assassin franchise during an earnings call. Lionsgate Motion Picture Group Chair Joe Drake teased development of a fifth movie in the studio's John Wick franchise Thursday during a quarter four earnings call that has fans abuzz. What is official is that, as you know, Ballerina is the first that comes out next year. We're in development of three others, including five, and including the television series, The Continental, which will be airing soon, he said. We're building out the world, and when the five movie comes, it will be organic. will be organically grown out of how we're starting to tell all these stories but you can rely on a regular cadence of John Wick. So he's he's saying there's going to be a John Wick 5, but he's saying that it will be organic and it will organically grow how we're starting to tell all these other stories. Um, it doesn't necessarily say John Wick is alive and well and Kenu Reeves is going to be John Wick. I don't know how you have a John Wick 5 without John Wick being alive and well, unless we go back in time before all this began and we kind of talked about that. Uh, And they could do that rather easily these days with AI. We saw what they did with De Niro and Pesci and uh, The Irishman. Very easily they can go back and make uh, Canoe Reeves look 20 years younger. 
The March 24th release of the Chad Stileski-directed John Wick Chapter 4 was another hit for the Assassin franchise starring Canoe Reeves, topping $363 million globally. Its success instantly raised questions about the potential for a fifth film that reps from the studio and the director himself agreed was on the table. It's very flattering for them to come back and, you know, say, we want more. And it's not just a cash grab. It's legitimately the audience wants more, Stileski said, following Chapters 4 release in an episode of the Hollywood Reporters Behind the Scene podcast series. I think we all need that little bit of time to go. Woo! Let's see what's next. If Canoe and I, a few months from now, sit down at a whiskey bar in Japan and go, yep, we'll never do another one of those, and then all of a sudden go, yeah, but I got an idea. We're open to it. Uh, spoilers from the fourth film are ahead. Wait a minute. So this is this is this looks like this. These um, quotes were prior to the fourth movie, but but again, what he's saying, bro, is very legitimate. Even if this was prior to four, it's legitimately the audience wants more, and bro, legitimately the audience still wants more. So if it, even if he made these comments prior to four, like I stated, bro, the ending might have been fitting, appropriate, made sense. But my feeling was that the audience may have wanted more. Now, granted, the story's got to be good. It can't be a shit story, bro. But I don't think there's any questions. I, I, I think if you took a, 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 a poll the major majority of viewers of John Wick 4 would indeed want John Wick to still be alive. In, cha- in Chapter 4, with the cast including Ian McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, Bill Skarsgård, and Donnie Yen, Wick uncovers a path. Okay, so this is prior to um, this is prior to the release of John Wick 4. But it is confirmed, man, John Wick is in early development we don't know what it looks like uh we know it will be organic it will be organically grown out of how we're starting to tell those stories but you can rely on a regular cadence of john wick so there you have it we are going to get john wick in some way shape or form So today, I want to talk about something I've been wanting to talk about for a while now. Um, It's about, where is it? It's about this band. It's about Nickelback. And this is Nickelback's first album, uh, Silver Side Up, which was a... uh, I'm sure gold record status. Uh, I'm, I'm sure probably sold over a million copies. Uh, this was a huge, huge, huge uh, hit. How you remind me uh, was the single, um, the uh, that uh, you know the hit single off of this album, Nickelback, uh, Silver Side Up. Why I want to talk about Nickelback is. For whatever reason, man, it has become folklore that Nickelback 
is the worst band in the history of music. That is the reputation, man. They've become the running gag, and they've become the punching bag. And I don't really understand why, and that's why I wanted to look into this. Listen, bro, I'm not putting a nickel back on any kind of a pedestal. I enjoyed this album, bro. I really enjoyed Silver Side Up. I did. I wouldn't have bought it if I didn't. However, Nickelback sounds like a million other bands I've listened to. Um, You know, that that middle-of-the-road band, a lot of them sound the same. Um, So I don't know where the reputation came from them being the worst band ever. So I started going down the Nickelback um, rabbit hole. And I I learned that a part of the conspiracy is it started with a comedian on a television show basically referring to Nickelback as the worst band ever. Now, listen, man, you know, actors, actresses, people in entertainment, you don't normally see them just bury somebody else in entertainment. You know, I've never heard anybody said, oh, yeah, that last uh, De Niro film uh, was an absolute disaster. In the industry, there usually is a code of etiquette. So, when this comedian, you know, mentioned that uh, Nickelback was the the worst band in history, yes, that was out of the norm. But was that really going to become the folklore, bro, of the band in the rest of its existence? And bro, let me tell you something, man. I've I've watched interviews with band members, and um, this is a part of their thing. You know, bro, it's almost, you know, it's almost the Vince Russo killed professional wrestling thing. It's almost that thing. You know, these guys had a gold record. I had the highest ratings in the history of wrestling, but somehow or another, uh, they're the worst band ever, and uh, I killed uh, professional wrestling. So, guys, I want to go down this rabbit hole together with you today and find out how Nickelback became the most hated band in the music industry. Becoming the most hated band in the music industry doesn't happen overnight. Like growing psychedelic mushrooms in your closet as a teenager, it takes a rare combination of patience, rebellion, and dirt to make that happen. Listening to Nickelback is not on par with a mushroom trip. It's more akin to taking saliva completely legal with an undeniable fan base, but frighteningly disconnected from reality and still capable of leaving you damaged. What is about this band, which sells out Madison Square Garden, has sold more than 50 million albums worldwide, according to Observer? Oh, my God. Is that a... Is that the wrestling user? Uh, bro, this, by the way, uh, this article is off of Grunge. Grunge.com, G-R-U-N-G-E. Uh, and it sold out more, I sold more than 50 million albums worldwide, according to Observer. That makes them so despised. 
Indeed, how can such widespread appeal and infamy coexist side by side? Here's how Nickelback became the most hated band in the music industry. Now, guys, when I hit on some of these topics, I got to be honest with you. We can say the same thing about dozens of other bands. So that's why, man, I'm really trying to get down, man. I'm really trying to get down to what it is where Nickelback has this reputation. Number one is their songs all sound the same and stupid. Bro, we could say that about a 100 other bands, that all their songs sound the same. We could say it about a 100 other bands. As noted by the New Yorker, Nickelback started out as a 90s cover band in Alberta, Canada. Lead singer Chad Kroger's growling voice and metal influence sound stood out at the time. But instead of evolving their songwriting chops through the years, Nickelback constructed tune after generic tune that followed the same simple and obvious formulation, as did many other bands, bro, in the, in, in the history of music. Kroger yoked his deep voice to basically one guitar tonality and strong structure, creating uh, uh, monotonous crowd pleasers that lacked originality. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Exhibit A, the video above demonstrates how two of their most popular songs, How You Remind Me, and Someday follow the same vocal cadence and instrumental background. And it's really pretty astonishing. Their content is good for the radio masses, but it doesn't offer much depth or creativity. Good luck playing on albums straight through. Good luck playing on albums straight through. All right, guys. Yeah, again, bro, that is for a million bands, bro. A million bands. How many one-hit wonders have we heard about? Bro, this band sold over 50 million records. 50 million records, bro. Somebody out there likes this band. Here's number two. You can only hear bad songs so many times. Bro, this uh, author, um, Alicia Garina, Gar- Gar- uh, definitely has it out for this band, bro, without a shadow of a doubt. Because Nickelback's generic and formula. Uh, formulaic music is well-suited for the radio, it's not surprising that their songs are tremendously successful from a commercial perspective. How You Remind Me becomes the most played radio song of the 2000s per Nielsen with over 1.2 million plays between 2001 and 2009. Hearing the same song over and over again gets anybody's nerves, so that likely helped turn public opinion against Nickelback. Bro, that is bullshit, man. You've heard people's songs over and over and over and over and over and over again. Give me give me a break, bro. Come on. How many times have we heard Beatles songs? How many times have we heard Elton John songs? Give me a break. But Canada criticize, uh, citizens may bear the brunt of the angst. The Canadian radio, television, and telecommunications requires uh, Canadian radio stations to play a certain amount of music that's produced in Canada. If you're already, if you're already tired of hearing their songs, definitely don't move to Canada, bro. That, that's bullshit. How many times have we heard "Hotel Freaking California"? This, uh, yeah, bro. This, uh, who, who's this? Who's this uh, woman again? Who wrote this again? 
Elisa Garina, she she has it out for the band, bro. All right, here's the next one. Now, here's the story I was telling you about. This may actually be the roots of the Nickelback heat. A famous Comedy Central diss fanned the flames. Downfalls at Nickelback proportions usually rely on a perfect storm where elements beyond the band's control came together to form a molstrom of discontent. One such element came over the TV airways back in 2003. Bro, 20 freaking years ago. Prepping everyone for the horror that was to come. Comedy Central was running a well-advertised panel show called Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn. We all know Colin Quinn, bro, from the early MTV days and then uh, Saturday Night Live. We all know Colin Quinn. The show involved four comedians who discussed topical news stories. On one episode, comedian Brian uh, Posehn brought up a study that tied violent lyrics to violent behavior. He quipped, no one talks about the studies that show that bad music makes people violent. Like listening to Nickelback makes me want to kill Nickelback. Bro, that's a joke. And I'm sure, you know, thousands of similar jokes on national television, on cable television, have been told like this over the years. So I just don't understand uh, how this joke by comedian Brian Poston would have triggered this 20-year hatred for the band. A clip of the joke turned into a promo that ran during commercial breaks for months. Everyone who watched Comedy Central during that time was bound to see it at some point, and Nickelback's awfulness was cemented early on for a good number of people. My God, bro, this freaking author, Nickelback's awfulness was cemented. I I hope I'm not this one-sided, bro, when it comes to like WWE and AEW, man. I really hope I'm not because I don't don't have it out for anybody. This author, uh, no doubt, has it out for this band and is not a fan of this band. Who knows, bro? Maybe something personal happened around the way. I, I don't know. But basically, they're saying that the clip from Brian Posen was repeated over and over and over and over and over on Comedy Central in a commercial for the show. So it got a lot of reps. Move on. Chad Kruger acts like a terrible frat boy. Oh, bro, and musicians don't? How many legendary stories, bro, have we heard about televisions being thrown out the windows in hotels, bro? Like, seriously, that's part of being a musician. One of the most offensive aspects of Nickelback, offensive aspects of Nickelback, is frontman Chad Kroger, who's responsible for most of the band's image. Rather than inhabiting the spotlight with grace or even a rock star's cavalier recklessness, 
he repeatedly engages in and brags about juvenile behavior more fitting a frat boy shotgunning natty lights than a professional musician. During a Playboy interview, Kroger talked about the time he blew his own love whistle for a free case of beer and bragged about his binge-drinking abilities. I drank 13 Coronas in a row once in Coba San Lucas, he said. The little flap that seals off your stomach and keeps the food from coming back up in your throat, I, I F that up. I can get a Corona down in five or six seconds. Okay, seriously, bro? So we're, we're going to hate this guy for telling that story about drinking 13 Coronas? Really, bro? Kroger's obviously behavior even veers into the harmful. He regaled men's health with one of his favorite stories. The time he was on tour in Germany and paid a drum tech approximately 600 Deutschmarks to stick his ding-dong into a metal-bladed fan. Couple that incident with his 2008 DUI, and it's easy to see how Kroger's antics show an alarming lack of concern for others. This is as good a reason as any to write off Nickelback. Really? That, that he's immature? Oh, my God, bro. Like, seriously, the stories, bro, the the Marilyn Manson stories that are out there, the Motley Crue stories that are out there. Are you freaking kidding me, bro? This, this is an author that, without a shadow of a doubt, has it out for this dude in this band. Uh, it's not actually cool to sing about mi- mi- misogyny and awful things. Nickelback's lyrical content written by Kroger contributes to their bad name. His descriptions of women reduce them to a series of actions and body parts aimed at fulfilling his own desires and fantasies. Man, I I hope this woman has never listened to a Kiss album, bro. Occasionally, these descriptions veer into darker territory with imagery that hints at violence and abuse. Several songs use degrading language to describe one of the most intimate things a human being can do. And figured you out, after mentioning that he likes a woman's pants around her feet, Kroger croons that he likes the way you still say please while you're looking up at me. The transparently titled Somewhere in Your Mouth brushes his misogyny and even broader strokes. You're so much cooler when you never pull it out because you look so much cuter with something in your mouth. Oh, my God, bro. This is like (laughs) Nickelback was the only band to do this. Bro, Christine 16, put your hand in my pocket and grab onto my rocket. Come on, bro. All right, we get the picture. Why doesn't he just literally spell it out for us? Ah, he saved that for a song, S-E-X. I believe Kiss again had a song, Let's Put the X Back in Sex. Key lyric, sex is always the answer. It's never a question. Uh, Or better yet, not say it all, hearing someone sing, I love your lack of self-respect while you're passed out on the deck. I love my hands around your neck contains enough tasteless shock value as it is bro again man you can't i'm I'm not saying 
uh, those lyrics are politically correct, but you cannot pinpoint out one band, bro, to having lyrics uh, such as that. I mean, come on, bro. They help spawn even more bands that sound exactly like them. Continuing to march onward, despite even early cries of sellout, Nickelback took it upon themselves to create carbon copies of their band. Theory of a Dead Man is a Vancouver-based Canadian band that Kroger pulls strings for after he heard a demo tape. Besides bringing them onto the soundtrack of 2002 Spider-Man and co-writing six of the ten songs on their self-titled debut album, 2002, he signed them to his record label, 604 Records. Listen to Theory of a Dead Man's song, Bad Girlfriend, and it's hard to tell where Dead Man ends and Nickelback begins. Bro, I swear to God, I got to go back to this woman's name again. Elisa, E-L-I-S-I-A. Elisa, I guess that is. Garena, G-U-R-E-N-A. Man, bro, this is a hatchet piece bro a hatchet piece kroger continued to add insult to injury when he signed the band my darkest days to 604 records the band sounds like an unfortunate combination of nickelback and kid rock as we needed to know they license rock star for a commercial for a furniture commercial bro are we really are we really going to get into this now Freaking Rolling Stones sold their monies, their their songs to be used on commercials. Freaking uh, Paul McCartney has sold the rights to some of his songs to be used on commercials. The list goes on and on and on. Are you serious? Fleetwood Mac. But hey. You don't need to rely on simple logic to see why Nickelback is so widely disliked. A Finnish researcher conducted a study on the topic titled Hypocritical Bullshit Performed Through Gritted Teeth. The study pointed out some of the obvious answers we've already mentioned, but the watershed moment for the band's demise may have come with the song Rockstar. Nickelback wrote Rockstar in 2005 and then licensed it for a furniture commercial in the UK in 2008. Sadists can watch the commercial. Everyone else can take comfort in knowing it's exactly as bad as you expect. The commercial show Nickelback had no real standards and didn't understand the difference between a band and a jukebox. Right around the time Nickelback released the song, their reputation started uh, sliding. Attendance at a hard rock festival in Portugal threw rocks and bottles at them. A petition asking Nickelback not to perform at an NFL halftime show received nearly 56,000 signatures. Yeah, bro, that's a far cry from the 50 million albums these guys sold. Gee, manitly, bro. Selling out to a furniture company helped send things downhill for Kroger and friends. And even worse, the furniture ad was later pulled for making the furniture look bigger than it was. I guess that's their fault, too. If only the same could be done to Kroger's ego. Wow, bro. What a smear piece, huh, bro? This is this is a smear piece at its finest. Man, I hope I'm not like this. 
when uh you know when it comes to wrestling i i really hope i'm not like this um they think they're too cool for charity another nail in nickelback's coffin came during the alberta flood aid fundraiser concert they headlined in 2013 over 32,000 people attended the live stream festival which raised 1.5 million for flood relief Attendance organizers and the musicians themselves were all basking in the mood of goodwill and good, good tunes. According to the Calgary Herald, that lasted until Nickelback took the stage and requested that the live stream for at home viewers be cut. Sponsor Telus then sent out the following treat. Hi, tweet. Hi, everyone. The Nickelback exclusive performance was a request from the band. Sorry we couldn't live stream this portion of the concert. The social media backlash came fast and quick. Nickelback fans protested the band's decision, while others criticized the band for being stingy with their music and an event event created to promote goodwill. One of the band's associates took to Twitter to curse at another Twitter users and to defend Nickelback by claiming The band generously spent their own money for transportation of gear. By then, however, the damage was already done. Um, I would I would love to hear more on that, bro, because she didn't really give the reason why they kill the uh, the stream of their performance. They really didn't give an answer for that. Kroger married Avril Lavigne because. Posering loves company. Canadian artist Avril Lavigne became a mainstream success by approaching. Hold on. Hold on, guys. By approaching a genre that defines itself as counterculture. The music video for her song, Skater Boy, depicted her teenage arms wearing studded leather wristbands and tiny tattoos, while her clear skin and squeaky clean sound bellied any real identification with the move- movement. I, 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 I suppose the author of this column uh, was into skating. I guess she was a skateboarder, bro, very familiar uh, with the movement. Oh my God, bro. This, she has nothing to say. Nothing nice to say about this band at all. So when she and Kroger got married in 2013, it was, un, it was in some sense a perfect marriage. They were both massively successful sellouts, famous for creating radio play friendly hits that gave a middle finger to authenticity. Bro, is, is it possible that they enjoyed the music they created, bro? Is that a possibility? Their union gave people ample ammunition to criticize their partnership. The two eventually divorced, but possibly due to their similar public image, Avril still fights Kroger's battles for him. When Mark Zuckerberg made a joke at Nickelback's expense, Avril pushed back and accused him of bullying Nickelback. The internet made it hip to hate on them. Now, bro, it sounds like we are getting our answer because the internet has made it hip 
to hate on Vince Russo. So I am very, very familiar with this because so far in what I've read, uh, there's no reason to hate this band opposed to any of the hundreds of bands like them. The internet changed everything for everybody. For Nickelback, that change meant a larger platform for haters to band together and churn out anti-Nickelback content. One notable example is a Facebook page called Can This Pickle Get More Fans Than Nickelback? According to The Guardian, at one point in 2010, the Pickle fan page had more fans than the band's fan page did. Compare 1.7 million Pickles to 1.42 million Nickelback supporters. Again, bro, 50 million albums. 50 million albums, bro. Anti-Nickelback captions began appearing on popular trending memes such as Grumpy Cat and Bad Luck Brian. Some of these memes made fun of specific things like Kroger's hair, Others just poked fun at Nickelback for being Nickelback. Their bad reputation preceded them moving from making room on the bandwagon for knowledgeable haters and naive naive newbies alike. Their bad reputation preceded them making room on the bandwagon for knowledgeable haters and naive newbies alike man bro i gotta tell you i i i feel for them and the interviews i have seen this has really affected the members of the band and uh, you know bro this has been going on for decades and decades and decades and decades i totally get it man i totally 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 get it uh like i said bro i think the internet made it a thing uh, you know, again, very uh, comparable to what they've done with me over the years. You know, the guy who uh, wrote the highest ratings in the history of the wrestling business killed wrestling. Well, this is a band, bro, that sold 50 million albums, and they are the worst band in the history of rock and roll. So there you have it, bro, a deep dive into the folklore of Nickelback, bro. Uh, listen, bro, that, uh, that writer for grunge, uh, 1,000% had it in for the band. 1,000% had it in for Kroger, bro. No question about it, bro. Whatever, maybe it was personal. Maybe he shunned her. Who knows, bro? Maybe he, uh, maybe he refused to do an interview. Who knows, man? But uh, there you have it, guys. That is the folklore of Nickelback. I hope you enjoyed the show, bro. I love your feedback, man. I love you too. Throw possible topics at me, bro. Perhaps I will do one. Let me know, bro. OfficialVinceRusso at gmail.com. That's it, everybody. Have a happy rest of your day, man. I'll see you next time.